This is the Champagne and Socks podcast. I'm Elisa. I've been procrastinating on making this podcast episode because it's a sad one. I should really add some background sad piano music to this. You remember the Bear Rainbow crochet blanket? I talked about it at length. I worked on it for a really long time. It was a blanket that I saw on Pearl Soho's website. They are a shop in New York City and they have this really great website and I've signed up to the newsletter and every now and then you get free patterns. And uh, the Rainbow Bear blanket came up in that and it's photographed really beautifully. She's got it thrown over a toddler on a bed and she talks about how she made it over three to five years just having scraps of yarn and a crochet hook in her handbag and then when she was in a line wherever she'd like work on this blanket and she didn't really care about it, dressing fast and then you know one day it was done. And so it's this gorgeous I'd say kaleidoscope, but it's kind of warmer. All the colours are sort of bright and warm, multicoloured, and she's pieced it together in sort of a rainbow way, and then the border is white yarn, and it's just really gorgeous. It just looks really fresh and clean and, and contemporary, and so it appealed to me. And I admit that I used that project to justify a mini skein purchasing habit that I acquired. And this meant that I could try all kinds of different dyers and, and yarns. And I had subscribed to the Knit Crate mini skein box for a while, about a year. And then and then when I stopped there, I've picked up a Space Cadet Creations mini skein subscription. So each mini skein kind of made maybe two, definitely one square and sometimes a second one. Or, a, or I fiddled around with them and I made combination ones as well. And, and I worked on this blanket for quite a while, a year, a year and a half. And then when I decided that I had enough pieces, I found some really gorgeous white yarn to border it and sew it all up. And I actually completed this project. And I know by now you've listened to me enough to know that, that is actually a rare occurrence. I am more a journeyman. I am more a process rather than product crafter. So I don't really care if I finish things or not. It's all about playing with the textures, looking at colors and just having something to work on and have busy hands. It's not necessarily about finishing things. So I finished this blanket and my plan, I guess, was to sort of drape it in that kind of Vogue magazine style across the bottom of my bed, except my husband's not really a Vogue living kind of guy and uh, it never really stayed there. And then I think my plan was eventually to fold it up and put it on a top shelf above my to be read bookcase as it used to be. It's no longer my to be read bookcase. But, you know, look, I have a toddler and... uh, you know what toddlers are like. So somehow this blanket ended up in the TV watching area and on and over and under a toddler, a toddler who eats stuff all over the place, a toddler who eats stuff with red sauce all over the place. You know the story isn't going very well. So it kind of got splattered in food and food got kind of ground into it and I could see it happening and I do this thing and I'm trying to work on it. I'm using David Allen's getting things done philosophy and I'm trying to work on this thing where if you see something, do something, right? Like if you see that's going to be a problem, you could just pick it up and put it away and then you avoid the problem rather than walking past it and going, that's going to be a problem. You know, walking past it and past it and past it for weeks on end going, that's going to be a problem. And that's a lot of time and energy that you're spending on something that you could have averted by just picking it up and putting it away. This is the lesson that I want to learn here. It is the lesson that I learned the hard way because that is the way I like to learn lessons. So eventually I was like, well, I really love that blanket. It is time to actually wash it and put it away. And so I did not do any research whatsoever. 
I kind of had been avoiding addressing the problem because I thought maybe some of those yarns would run and I just didn't want to go down the path. But I didn't, I should have researched it. That's the other thing. I should have researched how to wash this kind of a blanket. I knew I had to hand wash it. I at least knew that. It's all 100% wool. This is such a sad story. <laughs> I picked up the whole thing on a very sunny day because I was like, this will dry in the sun. It'll be great. And I put it in the baby's bath and I added one pouch of soak that I had there because, you know, that, that washes very nicely woolens. And the instructions say, add it, leave it like 15 minutes in tepid water. And then you don't have to rub it or squeeze it or whatever, or froth up. It's just now it's clean and then pick it up and dry it flat outside. So after about 15 minutes, I came along and I kind of felt like some of the food hadn't quite come out of it. And I thought, and I, you know, I tried to find some of those and see if they were coming out. I thought, well, I'll, I'll let it sit a little bit longer. And as happens, I got distracted and um, I came back <laughs> a day or two later, maybe three days later. And again, I'd kind of been walking past the bathroom going, that's going to be a problem. Siren lights flashing. That's going to be a problem. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with that later. So I came back eventually and I tipped it out mostly because wet yarn smells like wet dog and that's a horrible smell. So eventually I tipped it out and when I did that I realised that at least the pinks had run and then when I looked further it was worse than that. The pinks ran, the oranges ran, the blues ran. They were all kind of like sitting on each other as well because it's a very big blanket, very small bath that I tried to wash it in. And then like I couldn't even look and I'm not even sure if I've looked now to the full extent of the damage because it's so terrible. Basically the white is not white anymore and I think some of the squares have run onto each other so the colours have kind of mixed. I kind of cried like I'm not gonna lie I cried. I've, I've, it's not the first knitted item that I've cried over I'm sure it won't be the last. But I sat down and cried. Like the mini skeins weren't cheap. They were high-end skeins. And the white yarn itself that I'd bought, I'd spent, I don't know, $150, $200 just on the white. This was, you know, a prized blanket that I'd worked on for a very long time and that I intended to have as this really nice craft piece that I'd done. I'd kind of envisaged, and this is where the other Elisa comes in, throwing it over some winged back chair me underneath at hot chocolate reading a book on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I never do that anyway, but still, the blanket is is possibly ruined. It's possibly ruined. I had a bit of a cry. I had a bit of a chat on uh, Twitter and Mitt very kindly suggested that I should ask some people on Ravelry and, and I went through some forums and I asked for advice and Catherine and, and Chris had a look to see what can be done. And I know that my mum has really successfully unrun stuff because she's my mum. And I hope at some point I get that level of mum certificate where I'm able to do that too. But I have a feeling I'm still on my beginners. That's as far as I've got with this problem. Like I need to go out and get the products that supposedly undye things, leach out the run dye, and then try and fix what's actually still there because presumably it'll run again if I was to wash it again so then use vinegar or something to actually fix the color and it turns out and I never knew this that you should probably do that anyway especially with hand dyed yarns that you should soak them in a solution to fix the color properly before you wash them so 
that's a very hard lesson learned a very hard way and I'm still not sure whether I should just pick up the whole thing and put it in the bin like is it just going to make me sad every time I look at it it reminds me of the time that I knit the clapo tee I'm not sure if you were around and knitting back in the clapo tee time it was ooh before 2002 I'm pretty sure everybody everywhere was knitting this clapo tee pattern and eventually I got on the bandwagon and bought some very special yarn from Lisa Souza who I recommend finding on the internet having a look at her special hand dyed yarns she does some really beautiful ones and I finally got myself some reward yarn for I was still doing my first PhD back in those days and I was like oh I've met a milestone I'll splash out and get some very special yarn and I bought sort of a watermelony colorway that she'd done and I and I knit on the clapotee and you know what actually like the knitting is it's actually a very boring pattern it's a free pattern that you can find on knitty and it's basically you're knitting on the diagonal garter stitch back and forward with some yarn overs and you purl probably before and after the yarn over or whatever and, and you just go back and forward, back and forward for like a hundred thousand lines and then you you're dropping stitches, I think, at the end. And so there's this fun bit where you get to drop a whole lot of stitches and it ladders up and it's it's a very pretty, pretty shawl. And I made this and I was with my ex at the time and we had new cleaners. For some reason they washed them in the washing machine. I literally had finished this clapo tea and a week later it had been felted and I cried and for a while I like pretended like I could still wear this damned clapo tea and eventually I I eventually had to pop it in the bin and even to this day I've gone you know I but I really enjoyed like having that that garment like it's a really pretty scarf shawl thing I should make myself another one because the photos as well, if you go have a look on the pattern, I'm pretty sure it's a French designer and all the photos of the model wearing it are totally in Parisian cafes. I'm like, that's that's a gar- – if I have that garment, I'll be in Paris, right? So I keep meaning to replace it and yet, I don't know, can you ever revisit a pattern where the object has ended up so badly? I mean, is, is there any – there's no way I can replace the rainbow bear blanket. Like I can't – use the one that I have now and I can't replace it either and so it's this like horribly tragic love affair that ended in uh, some kind of homicide and that's the tragic story of the rainbow bear blanket. You've been listening to the Champagne and Socks podcast, a twice weekly podcast of all things craft, dropping Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can now subscribe via iTunes, leave a review if you like, Join the craft circle and tell us what you're working on this week. Email me at champagneandsocks at gmail.com or find me on Twitter as Champagne Socks. I'm over on Ravelry as Girly Jones. Also find the Ravelry group, Champagne and Socks. Finally, photos and links for this episode can be found in the show notes at champagneandsocks.com. Speak to you later.